You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the War Report. All aboard the AM departure from platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. What's up, War Report family? We are back with another great edition of the Auburn Express podcast. Powered by the War Report, it's your boy Mike G. Here with my girl Brandy Mack and my guy Auburn Memes. Mike Mack and Memes here at you to talk a little Auburn basketball. Uh, Tuesday, Auburn fell. 38 to set, I'm sorry, 83 to 78 to the Texas AM Aggies in what was a close game all the way down to the wire. Guys, let's jump right into this. Um, schedule doesn't get any easier here. And I think maybe, Brandy, you posed a question off air before we started recording about whether Auburn might have to worry about missing the tournament if they lose enough of these close games. Uh, what are you? What are you? Re- repeat to me your thoughts about this. Is Auburn in danger of missing the tournament here? Seriously, I mean, I definitely think so. If you look at the back half of our schedule, it's not easy. We have to play Alabama twice. I think do we play Tennessee again? Maybe. Um, I mean, and we don't really have a strong strength of schedule. We don't really have you know any standout amazing wins. So yeah, I'm I'm slightly worried if we're on the bubble that the committee isn't going to pick us over some teams that maybe do have some kind of signature wins because I feel like right now we don't. The good news is Northwestern is continuing to win, which is mm-hmm. kind of sad that that's our best. I think that might be our best win right now or one of our top three wins right now, but they're continuing to win. So that's good because they got off track for a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried about us making the tournament. Uh, memes, man, jump in here. Is Auburn headed to the not important tournament? No, nah, I mean they got they got it right here. I mean we we're letting some uh, we're letting some bad letting a bad little streak with some outliers kind of get in our head here. I mean the first Texas A and M game, they shot out of their minds, well above their insane season averages. You had a similar situation there with West Virginia, which of course was on the road. Let's remember the West Virginia game was a three point game. You stomped Georgia. Tennessee, another game that was a three-point game. A really bad shooting on both teams there. Tough environment to play in. Of course, you had that uh, pretty blatant no-call at the end of the game there. And, of course, this one here, which really was a two-point game right up until the end there until just uh, your last-minute fouls kind of put some put some space into a five-point game. But really, let's be honest, like top to bottom, the statistics that matter – Auburn had Texas A&M beat across the board minus the one thing they can't control, which was the whistle. And mm. we've gone over the discrepancies of how bad, or I guess we have not gone over, but if you have peeped on the internet at all, you're going to be no stranger to just how insane the free throw discrepancy was between these two teams of 39 to 12, which is just absolutely nuts how much the uh, refs are putting A&M 39 to 14. Was it, was it NW, NW 14? Yeah, 39 to 14. 39 to 14. Okay, that's sadly not much better. So, you just, how, it's in, in, also that it being a way, really, really uh, tough type of deal there. And I mean, college basketball, 
these last few games, like the cut, the tough breaks just haven't been hitting Auburn's way here. Mm-hmm. Even with a tough little deal at the end of the stretch. And let's be real, like Tennessee away is going to be your toughest top three toughest games you've got. You kept that within three points, even though it was an ugly game. So they're going to have some of these down here at the stretch that are going to fall in their direction. Also against Tennessee too, might I add, you didn't have Cardwell there, which you'll kind of sit there scratching your head. But from matchup standpoint, Cardwell size and physicality versus a very, very big physical Tennessee team and was something that you write it in there of all the games you would wish Cardwell could have missed. Like that was the one that you'd really circles. Like that's the one who needs you. Obviously it was sick. Glad he's better and staying him, but you got to get right game with Alabama at home. And that, that one's a winnable game. I mean, Alabama very likely is going to be your toughest opponent you can face, but the crowd and how that one's going to be at home. You've Alabama has not been looking as good as they did in kind of early January. I don't know how much of that is just, the shooting averages starting to level out, or maybe there's a little bit more film and tape out there that teams are starting to see uh, better ways to defend what they're doing. Missouri, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, got a few get-right games in there. So there is a real chance Auburn could go 4-0 and in these next games, 3-1. and mm-hmm. Hopefully no worse than 3-1. and mm-hmm. But uh, if you, you, they, can, they can turn around and get right on this Alabama game. I mean, it's a... This is going to be a. This is going to be the the hype. This is going to be the most hyped uh, that home home uh, court advantage that they're going to get. Uh, memes. I think you drank a little Sunny D before this recording. Y'all just y'all just wait. Hey, well, no. the question was: Is Auburn going to make the tournament? And almost everything you just described was losses. And the committee doesn't care if you lost by three or if you lost by twenty. A loss. No, no. Well, well, in my defense, what I was saying is. These were tough losses that were just the coin flip of the break of the game went the wrong way. Yeah, but they but played you, but good teams look. close. What I'm trying to say is that the averages true. out is these games toward the end of the season, which are all tough games, equally as tough as what we've already faced in this last five game stretch. But they keep playing up and down to the competition. So what? I mean, I don't know what gives you I, I will the say confidence. To me, we are like in the 200s in Ken Palm luck rating or whatever. So like we are a very unlucky team according to Ken Palm. So I get, I definitely get where memes is coming from, but I guess like I just, with how tough our schedule is coming up, like Alabama is a really, really good team. Like it's time for us to, we probably should have already. (laughs) Yeah. They're going to have to notch a big win. Brandy, they're going to have to notch a big win uh, here. A couple big wins Mm -hmm. down the stretch. Um, So I, I mean, I would almost settle for a split of some of these last SEC games. The way they're playing, I I just don't know. It's it felt like Wendell Green in that second half played some of his best basketball until the end. I wasn't in love with the logo three. I thought it was a poor shot there in, in the final two minutes. Um, but you know he was a big reason why they were in it. They just couldn't get him over the top. Now I, I want to spend some time talking about this free throw disparity. Memes hit on it a little bit. My my issue is is that I don't think Auburn can survive these types of officiated games. Auburn has had some of the poorest officiated games in both wins and losses so far this season. It's been awful. You know, uh, they've just been on the losing end of uh, of a lo- of a lot of them, of their fair share of them. But fourteen, I mean, it's really hard to overcome if the averages hold. Auburn shot sixty four point three percent, and mind you, this was one of their best three point shooting games of the year. Right. They had to jack up some pretty poor threes at the end, but they were over 40 percent shooting from three for most of the game. Uh, They shot 46 percent from the field, 
Uh, to Memes' point, they won most categories. Um, uh, rebounding was pretty uh, was pretty even. Offensive rebound was pretty uh, rebounding was pretty even. This was an even game in every area except for on the free throw line. I don't know how else to say it. A uh, and M shot seventy nine percent, almost eighty percent, but they shot almost forty free throws. In comparison to Auburn. Only shooting fourteen. It's insane. It's insane stat disparity. That is an insane like, disparity. The refs should not. And, and even and even if Auburn had won that game, I mean, this isn't just a sore loser mentality. I mean, it is known across the board that just college basketball officiating is just not in a good place. And I mean, pick two teams you don't care about. You'll watch and you'll sit there scratching your head, wondering what they're doing. So this isn't just a. All Auburn lost, boo hoo. I mean, it, it just, it, it just, the pace of the game, it was two and a half hours that for the, about six or seven game minutes of time, they're about calling a foul in every single possession. And it just, it makes the game boring when the, it, it is a worse, it is worse for the quality of the sport for the fans and obviously for the players and the coaches. Cause how, how do you coach and play? How do you get any type of momentum? It was essentially, okay, go down, run a play. Get a little scrum under the rim, up foul, shoot, do the same thing, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It just is boring to watch. And then you saw it right there. It was just it, it takes the it takes the game away from the actual players and what they're doing. It puts it in the refs' hands. And Auburn, you take you take away that you take away you have the refs swallow their whistles. Auburn wins this game leaps and bounds. It's not even close. And yeah. that's the sad part is Auburn was the better team for the entirety of this game. And the tipping point that made A&M win was largely due to the fact that they got so many points. I mean, they got 31 points on free throws. 31 points. Auburn got nine. Yeah. So if you take away, if you take away nine from Auburn's score and you take away 31 from Texas A&M's score, I'll even give you, you take away all the free throw attempts Auburn got at 14. Auburn still wins this game by a massive margin. That is the refs. And yeah, okay, some of these fouls, okay, Auburn was playing a little too physical there. They had some stupid fouls. I'm not saying that was the case, but it's pretty hard to you look, look at this game and see some things. The technical on, on oh, Flanagan. It was trash. It was yeah, a trash was technical. A little like, eh? That was a little iffy there. Mm-hmm. And there were just some other moments there. Some of these offensive fouls. And the one on Dylan Cardwell, where Dylan Cardwell just puts his arms down and like just gets bulldozed by the guy. And they call that one on him. Didn't they call that one on him? Sitting scratching my head. I'm like, I don't – where did that happen? He he planted his feet, didn't move his feet. So there were some very strange um, – very strange – calls that I thought could have been on Auburn or excuse me, could have been on AM had they been calling this a little bit more 50-50, but they definitely were very, 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 very happy to blow their whistle to any chance they got. And I will say Texas A&M got just absolutely murdered with the reach-in calls. I mean, that was something they were getting real chippy on them to try to, you know, try to be as objective as I can for the listeners out there, for my for my AM fans listening to the War Report Auburn Express show here. But it's just you sit there and look like that. That's a foul that just usually doesn't ever get called. Like not that much, and it just it, it well, just ruined it just ruined the game. And even if Auburn had won, it was like this was actually a really entertaining game from like the shooting and both sides are playing really really well. And it was just completely marred by the fact that it was just 
okay, now, now it's a whistle fest. So. Well, I, I want to move on to a point that Brandy uh, brought up again before we started recording about the end of game sets that Bruce called here. Okay, I'm 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 gonna mute for, for this one. I can't get into this. Y'all, 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 I'm I'm gonna go out for a minute. Y'all get on this. Uh, Randy, you weren't in love with some of these calls here at the end. Talk to us about what you saw. Yeah, you know. We've seen this a few times this season, and we even saw it at the end of last season. Whenever, you know, it's crunch time and we're either down or maybe up by just one possession, for some reason, Bruce consistently calls essentially just a three-point shot from Wendell. And sometimes, honestly, it looks like an illegal screen every now and then. Um, it did kind of whenever we were playing against Tennessee. Um, but, you know, I'm just not in love with that shot, especially when you're down two. So tonight, I think there was... Around two minutes, give or takes, on either side left in the game, we're down two, and we start slowing the offense down. Like, he literally tells Wendell, stop. Like, you can clearly see Wendell was told to essentially dribble, and we'll we'll draw the play up. And then the play that was drawn up was not a logo three, but it was a pretty far back three. And you just have to question, like, why is that consistently, like, the only thing that we go to in crunch time? Because there are guys on this team that can shoot. Like, Jalen has a really good percentage from behind the arc. Or when you're down two, why not find a way to dish it to Janai in the paint? Because that's really when our our best offense happens this season is when Janai gets the ball in the paint. So I just, I'm, I start to question kind of just the late game calls and games. Um, uh, it's just like aggravating um, and it doesn't make any sense. Why shave time off the clock when you know that shots are hard to come by for this team? And especially when you're down two, not even down three. So yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, like I said, I was, I'm with you on that one. Uh, I think that, you know, we had a discussion about whether this was Bruce Pearl's best coaching job ever, given the construct of this roster. I'm not sure that it is, um, because he seems to be, un- be unable to get the most out of guys in certain situations when it comes to end-of-game scenarios, uh, as we saw today. So uh, the logo three by win, I was I just not in love with that shot. I'll say it again. I think it was a bad shot. Um, you know, Cardwell, the untimely foul, that was definitely a foul. And I want to be clear to our listeners here, Auburn was fouling. You know, they were fouling, but it just wasn't being called the other way, uh, which is why we had the disparity that we had. So uh, it changes the way that you play the game, I think, guys, when, you know, the, the refs are blowing the whistle, and at some point you get a couple, you got both of your big guys in foul trouble. They're both with three fouls with a lot of time left in the second half. And you cannot play defense aggressively because you don't want to foul out. You also don't want to get the other team in the bonus early. Both teams were in the bonus by the 10-minute mark. And by that's, the t- that's what's tough about having a team whose strength is defense, is when games like this happen, you're basically screwed. Because yeah. when your identity is on that side of the ball and you essentially can't really play to your strength because... You don't want your best guys fouling out, you know. Especially if they're going to blow the whistle the way they were. Yeah, especially if they're going to blow the whistle the way they were. Um, Let's pivot here and talk a little bit about Auburn basketball recruiting because, uh, yeah, they need some shooting, as it turns out. Now, this wasn't a poor shooting game for Auburn. They had a bad stretch at the beginning of the first half, and then it got better from there. I felt like it got better. The statistics bear that out as well, too. Uh, Auburn picked up a big 
point guard recruit, um, uh, followed by another one that they're targeting. I mean, they've, they've had a big, big run in recruiting. And my only question when people say, oh, we got a big recruit is can they shoot? Auburn needs shooting. I think that Bruce Pearl, since the 2019 run, has not had any real great shooter. Sharif was a good shooter, but, you know, his season was shortened by injury and then he left and went to the NBA or tried to go to the NBA. Uh, You know, how is this fixable through recruiting here, guys? You know, it just seems like he's been here for a while. And how inexcusable is it for Auburn to have this sort of lack of shooting just late into Bruce Pearl's tenure at Auburn? I really think it comes down to guard play, Mm -hmm. honestly. Um, Not everybody's going to be Jared Harper. And when Bryce got to Auburn, he wasn't a massive recruit and wasn't some great shooter either. There was a lot of development that happened to get that 2019 team where it was in terms of shooting. So, no, I don't think it has to necessarily be done through recruiting. I think I'm okay with it being done through development. I just... I think right now we need a shooter and we need one bad. So we need somebody who can come in with immediate impact. So right now, yes, through recruiting long-term, I don't think it has to be done through recruiting. That's kind of my take on that. Memes, uh, recruiting here, man. Auburn has to solve the shooting problem. And then you got to get some guys who can shoot to stick around for more than a year, right? At some point. (laughs) How does Auburn fix their shooting problem? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a... You know, I'm a I'm a defender and a truther on on some of these matters, and you obviously were trying to get in shooters with uh, Jay Alexander and um, what's his name, uh, Desi Seals, and you obviously you know years ago you thought you were going to get guys uh, should have gotten guys like Jalen Green, and for whatever reason this that or another things like that didn't work out in those recruitment, and even then too, like on paper, and I know we uh, brought this up. Uh, last episode, we were talking basketball. Like Katie Johnson and Wendell both, like statistically, were really, really, especially Katie, like really good shooters. Like on paper, like and given the level of play, like yeah, that was a shooter that you brought in. Of course, Jabari was the incredible sharp shooter as well. I mean, he was his statistics what was over forty percent from three, I believe. Like so, you had the guys on the team. Now the benefit of yeah, forty two percent for Jabari, and I mean Katie. Uh, even last season was uh, 71 from the field and he was just under 30 from three. So Wendell was 32 last year. So the two of them were shooting well. So I don't think the issue is shooting. I think the bigger issue is like, why was there like this regression? But it is what it is. And obviously Flanagan's starting to kind of get back in his role and as is Jalen, it just took time um, from the injury. And who knows, maybe that could have been chance. He obviously had the injury issue. Uh, Trey has uh, been fairly consistent, not going to be put the team on the back shooter, but has, has played a nice role. And then I think Johan obviously didn't you know develop to the pace or I think people had hoped. So moving forward, what you're going to look at this year is you've got four scholarship guys you're going to replace with Stretch, Flan, Zepp, and Jalen Williams. So you've got some you've got some guys on this team, and that's assuming we don't know who is and isn't going to transfer. So then you kind of sit there and then you look at the team and wonder, you only have, as of right now, for this this uh, 2023 class coming in, you just got uh, Aiden Holloway on on there, who people seem pretty excited about since he is a combo guard, has some pretty good uh, highlight reels. He is on the smaller side, those kind of guards that Bruce likes to play. 
So that's got to make you wonder that in, in history tells us there's at least going to be one person from this team who's going to be a rising uh, classman who's going to transfer. So if you think, if you just take the odds of at least one guy transferring and then your four seniors leaving, you've got five, you got five spots on that team and then you've got one freshman come in so that assuming they don't get any more guys committed. So you're probably going to be thinking, all right, we're going to have another team that's built by uh, transfers again. So that's really going to make you kind of wonder where and who is going to fill into what role where. And that's assuming just maybe one person transfers out. Right. So, and also, too, I mean, not that this would affect the shooters, but you got a lot of walk ons who are seniors as well. So you got to kind of refill your roster from a walk on standpoint. But it's a, uh, we don't know. And I'll, I don't know exactly know what those numbers to when or if and how they're playing the, uh, the scholarship penalty they had to take from uh, the very unjust punishment from the NCAA because Auburn did nothing wrong, neither did Bruce. But um, I digress on that. I don't know how that'll play into it. So I'm just, I'm taking that side out of it for uh, right now. But Well, Auburn has to fix something here, right? Like, yeah, it's got to be guys on the board. Yeah, you're talking about regression from year over year with guys who were supposed to, you know, maybe take the next step forward, but they didn't. Brandy, take, they took in. a step backwards is the problem. It's not even mm-hmm. forward. It's just they're going back. Yeah, yeah I think Aiden Aiden is going to be an instant impact on this team that's really struggled lately with guard play. Um, I think he's going to be a, a difference maker. Even I know that's a lot to ask of a freshman, but that happens a lot in college basketball, a lot different than college football. And I think he's going to be a massive difference maker because our he's likely going to be one of our biggest facilitators next can year. I, I guess, well, so. can, I, can I interject something when we say guard play? I think we need to be very specific here. I don't think the problem is with the point per se. Like I think Wendell has been doing fine. If you look at Wendell's game breakdowns, I mean, he is the highest – scoring member on this team average wise the issues at the two because what's happening there is you've got zep playing out of position which i will die on that hill as a zep truther like why is he not rotating into the point you've already kind of hit on what's going on with kd playing at the two so zep just is not a points guy so you're him at the two you're losing that there kd's kind of been in a funk now he played better tonight and then they, I did honestly. Some of the favorite rotations I had in there is when they played Trey at the two. I was just yeah. about to say that. So earlier, when you were talking about Trey, I wanted to interject and be like, I want to see more of what we saw tonight with Win and Trey playing together on the court at the same time. I feel like that really has like helped our momentum on offense whenever they both are out there. So I would love to see that more down the stretch as we get through this last part of the season. I think that could potentially be a difference maker as we hopefully head into March too. But but the issue is just you're not getting good point production out of that two position. And obviously yep. you get a you get some in certain situations now when Zep Zep defensively that can be very, very useful, of course. But the problem is in any rotation that we've got here, we're not getting points out of that position. So that's where I think you're really starting to see the see the struggle there. Because from a from a uh, just product productivity standpoint, you got a car with five tires and one of them's running flat because it's just not that that two whoever is playing is putting up a disproportionately amount less. And I don't have the statistics of seeing like it would mostly be with Zep and KD, but like compared to everybody else who's running the one, running the three, running the four, running the five, I can about guarantee you just from the the eye test here, just my memory, you would see a massive dip if you were to chart out the point productivity of everybody who rotated in on those 
on their uh, specific position at the time. And that is something that you have got to get in the portal unless, you know, Aiden hits out to be this just like, yeah, instant impact combo guard who can just hit it at the, hit it there. Well, Auburn had to play around with some smaller lineups today because of foul trouble. So I think finding you know the most effective lineups is going to be uh, something that Bruce Pearl takes a look at moving forward. Uh, this is the Auburn Express powered by the War Report. We got the most effective lineup ever, every every Thursday with Mike G, Brandy Mack, and my guy Auburn Means. We'll be back at you guys next week covering more Auburn basketball, guys. There's a lot of stuffs going to happen between now and the next time we record. So uh, we'll have plenty to talk about moving forward here. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back at you guys next week. We're signing off, as always. Where are you? Where are you going? Where are you going?